Business in the Okanagan Matters. This is Law Talk with lawyers Clay Williams and Tanvir Gill from FH&P Lawyers, LLP. They talk business and take your questions at podcast at fhplawyers.com. Now, here's Clay Williams. Welcome to Law Talk. Clay is actually away today. We, um, For those of you who don't know, we have two offices, our Kelowna location as well as our Penticton location. So Clay was at our Penticton office and is still on the road on his way back. So today I have our associate, Jen Schurz. Hi. Hi, Jen. (laughs) So Jen did step into our podcast as a guest recently, and you talked about wills and estates with us. We did. We talked about wills and estates and succession planning. Which was good. So Clay not being here is actually pretty good because our podcast is going live on International Women's Day. So happy International Women's Day, Jen. Happy International Women's Day. (laughs) How does it feel to be a woman in law <sighs> that's like such a I get loaded that, question know, it's such a loaded question I, I feel like it's like two-sided like I almost yeah. hate when people ask me that now it's like know. well how does it feel to be a man in law like it's just something you wouldn't think I know it's but like then, Taylor Swift's song the man for those of you who have heard it it's a really good song yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so It's interesting. Uh, Women in law is an interesting topic. So let me give you some stats on why it's interesting. And then we can kind of talk about what we think about it. So Mm -hmm. um, women have been participating in the legal profession in BC in numbers generally equal to men. But what's weird is, so here's here's a stat from entering law school. 52% women, 48% men. So I don't know if you remember first year law school, second year, third year, whatever, but it was pretty similar women to, to men. When you look at the gender disparity as the call year increases, there's a huge difference. So 15 to 19 year calls is 43% women compared to 57% men. 25 to 29% year call, 33% women, 67% men. And over 30 year old calls, 16% women and 84% men. So what we're both three years fourth year calls now I think the law society transfers on January 1st oh really I didn't know I thought it was your call day no it's January 1st so anyway so we're fourth year calls we're fourth year calls (laughs) so generally women are representing only about 35 percent of the practicing lawyers in the province of BC and only 29 percent of lawyers in full-time private practice so law firms like us wow isn't that pretty shocking that's extremely shocking yeah But at the same time, if you look at a lot of law firms at their managing team, they're, you know, the higher level, the higher levels, there is, you can see the gender disparity. Yeah. Mainly men. That's so true. At the higher end, you do see much more men, older individuals, but generally men. Um, And surprisingly or not surprisingly enough, then the attrition rate for women is 25.8% for women compared to 17% for men, which means people leaving the practice. And I don't know about you, but I definitely had an older partner at one point say to me, I don't want you leaving the practice and being like every other woman. So I think we're definitely treated a different way. I think people definitely have a image of, you know, what generally happens. Oh yeah. With female lawyers. Before I even started practicing, a lawyer said to me, a male lawyer said, do you plan on having a family? Because that's going to change your whole whole career. Yeah. Yeah. And as sad as it is, I think it 
does right yeah it's how do you like like I think we talked about this a little bit earlier but like a law practice runs like a business we have to be realistic about that it, it is a business yeah so somebody who's trying to make partner who is you know working day in day out wanting to then take time to go have kids that does impact you know their rate of becoming partner or their trajectory or how many years they want to be there but that's just it like the law society commissions all these studies to figure out how do you keep women in the practice but how do you keep women in the practice if at the higher end there isn't really a set rule of how you're going to deal with things like parental leave mat leave you know well exactly and even if you think about it women who have kids and are still expected to work as hard as they worked before kids how are they supposed to manage that yeah it's not possible. Yeah. So I think there's definitely a difference. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. When I was researching the stats on the Law Study website, one of the first sentence that they had there was, the public is best served when lawyers reflect the communities they represent. So it's just not happening, right? Like it's our not. communities are representing immigrants, you know, visible minorities, women, men. So what's what's hard is when you see what goes into law school, what comes out and then eventually years in and out, who's actually practicing, it does not represent the community. No, it doesn't. You're absolutely right. And even if you have a more diverse environment with women, with at different ethnicities, personally, I have been called a legal assistant mm. <laughs> more times than I can count after becoming a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think that's the thing too it's like you're I feel like there's when people say like how do we make it better how do we keep women in practice there's so many things that have to change but it's almost like everyone's inherent bias has to change their inherent discrimination exactly. and it's the public yeah. perception of it too. yeah like I I've definitely my name is not easy Tanvir alone but then Gil is just confusing there's boys with the same exact name I have um don't ask me what it means I don't really know but <laughs> but I've had so many people email and just say Mr. Gill, Mr. Gill, Mr. Gill, Mr. Gill, and go on and on and on <laughs> and it's if like, it makes you feel better I've been called Mr. Schurz so. yeah Mr. Schurz all right so it's like people have to start realizing their own inherent bias to see oh my god why am I assuming male yeah. lawyer Tanvir Gill or Jen sure is Jen why are people assuming Jen but whatever Tanvir not as easy yeah. but the, but the that one client who did it apparently thought my name was Jens Jens yeah which he, we actually have a Jens here we so. do have a Jens and I am confused for him all the yeah. time <laughs> but it's that in, that's it's that inherent bias where people are just so easy to assume rather than going on and checking it takes one second to quickly google to oh, figure out like hey who am I talking to I do that all the time when Me people I, I don't know I've interacted with you for the first time even if it's clear I just generally go look them up <laughs> you know exactly so recognizing that inherent bias so somebody that I wanted to talk about and I think you're gonna have somebody interesting as well but we wanted to talk a bit about on International Women's Day some aspiring women in the legal practice so this isn't the first ever woman appointed to the Supreme Court of Canada Bertha Wilson was the first ever in 1982 but even that alone is shocking that the first woman ever was appointed in 1982 which really was that really a long time ago no it was 40 years ago math is not my strong point okay Especially no lawyer years. <laughs> very little <laughs> but that alone is shocking that there was no women on the supreme court of canada the highest level of court in all of this land until 1982 wow that's insane to me. So the person that I want to talk about is Madam Justice Rosalie Silberman Abella, who was the youngest person in history to be appointed to the judiciary system in Canada. She was actually appointed to the Court of Appeal at the age of 29, seven months pregnant. 
Wow. Isn't that like insane? Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. And this kind of goes back to uh, what I think the whole like changing your own gender, you know, bias, changing your own perceptives. She was appointed by Brian Mulrooney. And to me, what it takes is the higher level individuals and people Mm -hmm. who have that, that ability to make those calls, making those changes, you know, implementing the diversification, different colors, you know, immigrants, whatever you have it, refugees, all those people need to be represented but what it takes is somebody actually opening the door to say I'm gonna give an opportunity to this individual I'm gonna give an opportunity to this you know woman exactly like we could spout diversity and gender equity all we want Mm -hmm. but someone has to open that door yeah probably the most world-renowned woman in law would be Madam Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg yeah she was part of the Supreme Court in the United States and she inspired many women to get into law She also was a spearhead at the start of gender equity law in the states as it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's like nice to see women at these higher levels or the highest levels of courts you can get to for people like us to look up to and aspire. But even then, it's kind of sad to think the Supreme Court of Canada has only ever had like 10 women since 1982. So it's not as easy, I would think, to find role models in the highest places. And there's definitely some, but it's just it's not proportionate at all. It's not proportionate and it's so difficult to get there. Yeah. There's a lot of hoops to jump through, a lot of red tape. In a lot of instances, you kind of have to act like one of the boys. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the um, videos I was watching with uh, Madam Justice Abella, she talked about her appointment being seven months pregnant to this Court of Appeal. But she had said when she was appointed by or nominated by um, Brian Mulrooney, he didn't even know she was pregnant. She walked into the room seven months pregnant. He was like, when did that happen? And she said seven months ago. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to think even then it's like uh, to me like that takes sheer luck to get there um not to not to say she wasn't amazing at her job but it does take a bit of luck to say okay you got that chance you took that opportunity and had everyone known prior to her walking into that room that she was pregnant would she have still gotten it I don't know yeah no I really don't think so probably not not to be like a pessimist but (laughs) but we're realistic yeah they probably would not have given her that role yeah So I want to know when you were going into law school or when you were in law school or even maybe when you were practicing, were there points where you were discouraged possibly because you were female? All the time, Tanvir. (laughs) It, at least once a year, it's such a boys club. Yeah. Such a men's club that if you don't play your role correctly, you may not get this file or you may not get this opportunity. That's not how it is at FHMP just for the podcast, for the record. (laughs) Disclaimer to the partners who are going to be listening to this. At old firms, that's kind of how it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, there's definitely a bit of it, right? You do get discouraged here and there. I think it sometimes for me, it doesn't even come from work. It's just other people, right? It's Or it's like our, like me and you are both 30. And I think I am not 30 yet, Tanvir. Are you not? No, I'm 28. 28. Okay, sorry. But we're kind of in the same age range. We're around 30. I feel like it's so many times it's the comparison between what a girl does compared to what a boy does. We're treated differently, right? So if we're a little bit, if we're loud, we're too intense, right? If I say something with like confidence, I'm intense, but a man saying the same thing is confident. I'm intense. A man is confident. Or if we're assertive, they're bossy. 
we're aggressive and aggressive yeah that's the thing like it's like you're treated differently because of those you can act and say the same exact things but it is it's perceived differently just because we're female the number of times i have sent emails with proper sentences just ending in periods Mm -hmm. no exclamation points or smiley faces because this is a professional setting and people have complained to me that i was being rude yeah i swear (laughs) if a man sent that email they would say, okay. They wouldn't say I was being rude. It's like, it's sort of perceived differently. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. Okay. What's positive about being a woman-in-law? What positive aspects have come out of it for you? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I think, you know what? Positive for me being a woman-in-law is just, I think I bring me to the table with what I do and me being me I am a woman I am female so that I, I don't am. I don't hide that like I don't play a game or try to be more manly with my clients or try to p- portray an image of you know a strong you know yeah that I'm not female I am female like if I have clients that are sitting in front of me that are expressing something and this is weird because I don't really do family but I have a lot of clients that feel like after our appointments are done they're just going to talk to me about things that they're not sure what to do about and it turns into a bit of a therapy session with some of my clients and if my clients are crying I can't not cry I when people cry I cry so to me it's like that is something about me that is female that is me and Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna not be that way um but I think it, it takes being true to yourself in a way where you can continue practicing and being who you are and for me that is me being female I I am a girl I am a girly girl so I'm never gonna hide that I'm gonna be the person walking in and like six inch heels with my hair out and my makeup done and so it's like had I had to change that to be in this practice or to get where I am I don't think I would have done very well because that's just not me so what I do like about law especially FHMP is that you know you can be super girly girl with your six inch heels (laughs) or you can be less girly girl but still a woman in sneakers and like you're accepted as you are Yeah. I think one thing that's really important too for us to do and like we look up to the generations before us. Yeah. So I think we have to remember that as we continue on, like things will only change with time, right? If we have the higher level executives making calls and they're all old men, then eventually when they're gone and women have replaced them, like those decisions are going to take time and it takes time for change. And I think we have to remember as young females in the law practice that we have people looking up to us. Like we have people emailing us all the time, asking us like, you know, what our experience was, or do we have any information on, you know, what students can take in school? what they should do to get into law what classes they should take in law how do they interview yada yada the list goes on of what people want to know and that's totally fine but for us to make decisions knowing that what we do people are watching and people are looking up to us so I think one thing I heard somebody say that was so important was take a seat at the table and I think a lot of women have a hard time thinking that they have the right to you know, pull out a chair and sit down and say what you need to say. Like you have a voice, it matters. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of women don't do that. They just, they, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but in a crowded room or if we're in a business setting, a lot of women just kind of stand around a bit. Like it's harder for them to come into the room, take a chair and actually sit down at that board table, even though we're all there for the same purpose. And we know that's not an issue for you, Tandir. Yeah. <laughs> but it's such an issue to me. And I yeah. make it a point to do that because it's like, why are you automatically putting yourself in a corner? You, you're you here with the same credentials and for the same purpose as everybody else. But it's so 
inherent for some women to to not be the one to sit down yeah and I think it that's what it takes it takes people to take that seat to say what they need to say to make those changes for people to realize like okay like yes there is an equal opportunity here but we almost have to take that opportunity because it's not going to be handed to us no exactly so what does International Women's Day mean to you it's a day to kind of recognize and applaud other women and the, their achievements that we've managed to make you mm-hmm. know I'm sure if International Women's Day existed in 1982, that the first justice of the Supreme Court of Canada would be celebrated. Yeah, it's pretty fitting that we had an all-female recording day today without Clay for International Women's Day. So thank you for joining me today and for, you know, talking about your experience being a female in law and a little bit about who you look up to. Thanks for having me. FHMP lawyers are rooted in community and ready to help. Send your business law questions to podcast at fhplawyers.com.